0: Hebrews chapter twelve is what we'll be in scripture tonight. Hebrews chapter twelve. <coughs> Growing up, I've had, uh, I've been involved in quite a few called nasty construction projects, jobs that. Um, Work around the church. Uh, my my church did a lot of the, the construction itself, and being the pastor's son, um, I found myself involved in a lot of those projects. Um, I found myself one day involved in digging a ditch from the parsonage uh, to our gymnasium building, and the clay was you know just miserable to, to dig in. And you know you're shoveling, you're shoveling, you're sweating out in the sun. Uh, there was one year we remodeled the, um, the remodeled the church, and with that we ended up roofing uh, the entire church building. Uh, did that all ourselves, and uh, you're out in the hot sun. It's miserable. The shingles you, they give you those fiberglass splinters. You're you're walking on a slant, so when you come down off the roof, your knees are all crooked. It's just miserable jobs. Uh, we've worked in the attic, and on a hot summer day. Uh, You're crawling through this small space on your hands and knees, Uh, you're sweating up there, and the insulation dust, you kind of stir it up, and so it sticks all over you. Uh, If you know anything about insulation, you're then itchy. Um, If you take a misstep, you fall through the ceiling of the auditorium, and you got your foot hanging down there. Uh, There's no draft in there, and it's just miserable. Uh, There's a lot of different hard projects that I have grown up doing. And my dad... um, had a lot of little quotes that he would say when we work. And uh, one of the things that he, was, he would always say is, you got to love it. You can't do it if you don't love it. And I'd be you know, shoveling, I'd be up in the attic, I'd be roofing, and I'd say, I'm doing it, but I don't love it. Here it is in this miserable situation. I'm doing it, and you're say- what you're saying is wrong. I can do this without loving it. Another thing my dad would say is uh, as a movie quote, be happy in your work. Anybody know where that quote's from? It's, a, it's a, If you know the context of that quote, it is actually a Japanese officer saying it to English prisoner of war who are building a bridge. Be happy in your work. Here they're building a bridge for the enemy. and Be happy in your work. Right Here we got miserable situation. Be happy. you got to do it. You love it. you got to do it. In the Christian life and, and on our path, through life, there's difficulties, there's trials. Uh, In Hebrews 11, if you turn uh, back just a few verses to verse 35, I talked about this on Wednesday, Um, women received the dead back to life, Uh, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection, others had trial of cruel mockings, scourgings, Yea, moreover, bonds, imprisonments. They were stoned, sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented. Life throws you under the bus sometimes, and it's difficult. Uh, There's health concerns that we struggle with, there's financial concerns, there's loss of loved ones, Uh, there's work that uh, you have a hard boss, Uh, there's family turmoil. Uh, the list could go on and on. We could, you know, each one of us here could talk about the the pits of despair that you have walked through in this life. Right? Life is difficult. But how do you walk through life joyfully? How do you walk through life um, through those difficult times? You know, you got to love it. Well, how do you love it? Uh, you can't do it if you don't love it. Well, what are where is the the joy that is promised in Scripture? Uh, when you walk through these difficult times. And that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. Let's go to chapter 12. And chapter 12, it starts off here with a picture of running a race, Uh, running the race before us. And he tells us, look to Jesus. Your focus point as you're running this marathon. Look down the way and look at Jesus. There's your destination. Look to him. But he's not only our destination, he's the pattern. How did Jesus run? How did Christ, who went through the depths of suffering, how did he walk as our pattern? We are supposed to emulate him. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How are we supposed to run this race? Verse 2 here we have, let's just say Christ is over here. He's got the path of uh, life ahead of him. It says the joy set before him, off in the distance, out in front, there's joy. And it says he endured the cross. So in between that joy, there is the cross. And he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Uh, and in another word, you could say despise the shame that the shame didn't stop him from going to the cross. They hung him naked, they mocked him as a king, Right, a very, he was hung as a criminal, a very shameful um, way to die. And yet, despite that shame, he moved forward with the cross. And so, here's the shame and the agony, the pain of the cross. Yet Jesus endured faithfully that. How? By looking at that joy that was set before him. That's the title of this evening's message, The Joy of before Him, Let's pray, and then we will look at this phrase, the joy before him. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, Christ and the pattern in which he has set before us. Uh, Lord, may we look at your word and uh, be changed. May we draw encouragement from it and our instructions for life. Uh, Lord, I ask that tonight my words would be clear and our hearts would be open. Lord, uh, I pray that the Spirit would uh, move in a way that brings forth truth and that anything that I say that uh, would be an error, that that would be um, not heard. Uh, Lord, I pray that tonight uh, your Spirit would do a wonderful work tonight. We ask this in your name. Amen. Lady, could you bring me my water? We're going to look at the joy before Christ. Here's the suffering and shame of the cross. Thank you. The suffering and shame of the cross, Christ is said to endure that faithfully here, and he's looking at the joy out in the distance set before him. What is that joy? Tonight we're going to discuss that joy. There's four things that we're going to discuss First off is the joy of redemption. By going through this suffering, on the other side of that suffering, there is redemption. Do you know what the joy you have you felt the joy of finishing a task or and the result that comes from that finished task. My parents have had a bedroom that has been outdated basically since I've I've been born. Uh, the carpet's old, the, the walls are, have been painted in these dingy colors, the lights are, are kind of low, uh, it's just outdated. And So recently they have been doing renovations to update it to, to the modern day. So over the last couple months they have removed all their belongings, they've pulled out all the old furniture, they've ripped out walls, torn up carpet, uh, pulled out counters and the shower, they've reconfigured the plumbing and electrical, they framed in new walls, uh, they've built a walk-in closet, uh, they've hung drywall, applied mud tape and texture, added trim, painted, and installed flooring sinks and light fixtures, right, the list could go on and on. All of this um, work that has been done, and they've been doing all of that while working their full-time jobs in the ministry. Uh, so they come home, and you can imagine that on their days off, dad doesn't, fit, doesn't feel like picking up a hammer after a long day of the ministry during the week. Uh, you can imagine that after he works all a all, all week at church then his day off, he would prefer to not sling drywall mud around. Right? Even though there's, there's a struggle, there's a, a, a difficulty. Uh, but the present renovation is a struggle. yet the finished task will yield a wonderful result, will it not? The bedroom it's going to be more inviting. Uh, the bathroom it's going to have better lighting. The closet it's going to be much more functional. Right? Here's the task ahead of them. It's, it's hard, it's, you know, it's, it's painful, it's toilsome. But you look forward to the completion of the task. When that task is done, when the bedroom is finished, when the renovation's over, we have this whole new bedroom that is functional, that's pleasant, that's nice to be in. So we know what the joy that comes as a result of finishing the task. What is the result then of Christ enduring the suffering and shame? What did his death accomplish? The task that Christ was coming to do, it's redemption. Uh, Galatians 4, 4-5 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Uh, other passages we could go to make it clear that Christ came for a, a purpose, a mission, to provide redemption, salvation to humankind. And we know mankind, we were estranged from God as a result of sin. The wrath of God is upon uh, sinful humanity. And thus, the judgment of God would sentence each sinner to the lake of fire. And mankind, we have no solution in ourselves to this magnificent problem. But Christ, he came as a man, and uh, by suffering the writhing agony of the cross... He endured the shame of this public execution, took on the sin of all humanity, and was crushed by God in our place. Christ endured the suffering for the result of redemption. In his humanity, we could say Christ would have preferred not to go to the cross. We see that when he prayed in the garden. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine. You see, on the other side of that suffering, enduring the cross and despising the shame, there's not only saving humanity uh, from an eternal death, but there is now a union between the believer and Christ forever. It's not just, let me, let me just have this transaction, you know, being brought from death to life. Let me have this relationship with these people. Let me die for sinful humanity. I can be connected with them for all eternity. The relationship there. Through suffering, Christ brought near a people unto himself, and he established a relationship with them forever. So Christ looked to the joy of redemption. He went through that, knowing on the other side of this, there was redemption, a relationship that we had with these people. Now, do you know, his joy can be our joy. His joy can be our joy. Christ looked past the cross and the humiliation, and he saw a unity with humanity. Now, we and our suffering can look past our crosses and our humiliation to a union with our Savior and glory forever. And one day, we will be with our Redeemer for all eternity an unimpeded relationship. We can look past our crosses and look at that relationship that one day, uh, that beautiful uh, fulfillment of the relationship that we will have with him. Now, I believe that Christ's accomplishment on the cross has provided salvation to all humanity. It's available to everybody. But I do not believe that all men will receive that gift. It's only those who, by faith, have trusted in Jesus Christ to be their only Savior, will partake in that salvation and be united to him forever. Now if you have not done that today, may today be the day of salvation for you. Salvation is there. Christ died that salvation be, be, may be provided for you. So the joy set before him, the joy of redemption, redeeming a people to himself, number one. Number two, the joy of heaven. You know, there's some days that I would prefer to just go home? <laughs> the days are long. Uh, maybe you encounter something difficult at work. Uh, maybe you've, you've got a project. Oh, this will take me 15 minutes. Uh, we call that Vanderhart time in my family. Ah, oh, this project, 15 minutes will be done. Four and a half hours later, you're still working on it. Vanderhart time, yeah, no time at all. We have difficult projects at work. It's uh, just, just full of chaos sometimes. And whatever the case may be, their days are just miserable. Now what I really love is, several times throughout the week, Lene will send me pictures of what's happening at home. She'll send me pictures of Riley and her going on a walk. Uh, they sent me a picture the other day, Riley's pointing off in the distance. He's sitting in a stroller. he's pointing off in the distance. Uh, another, another time, Lene sent me a picture of, or a video actually, of Riley um, just being goofy, he's making silly noises. He's got a little toy car and acting like he's he's driving it around, right? He's they're sending me pictures of home, and and you know what this does? You know, these pictures, it reminds me of home. And yeah, the day's hard, the work is toilsome, but I know in just a few hours I'm going home. It's I can look forward to. Uh, the, day that, or the the time on the clock where you know, I get to check out and go, go back to my family. I have the joy of home on my mind. Now as a Christian, this life will be filled with difficulties and woes as we talked about. But you know, it's just a short time and we'll be going home. Uh, Hebrews 11, 13-16, uh, uh, going back to the people in the Hall of Faith. Verse 13 says, All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed, they're strangers, they're pilgrims on the earth. Uh, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they may have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Uh, Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city." You know, through his word, we're described as pilgrims here. Uh, this current earth is not our final home. You can think of it as a hotel room. Some place where you just stay temporary, or a tent. You, know, you just set up for a little while, and you pack and go, go back home. This place is not our final destination. Did you know God, in his word, has sent us pictures of what heaven is like? We can think of the beauty of heaven. We're told of pearly gates. We're told of streets of gold. We're told of the perfection of heaven, where there is a sinless environment. Just think, the day when our sinful appetites will be gone and we're surrounded in a place that's uh, absolutely without sin. Our bodies will be uncorrupted, no more uh, you know, breaking of legs or kneecap replacements. There's no more sorrow, no more rot or decay. Uh, There will be the lion laying down with the lamb. We're giving snapshots of what is heaven like. But you know, heaven would not be heaven if God were not there. Now imagine going on a perfect vacation. Right, The views are stunning wherever you want to go. The beach, the mountains, uh, some secluded cabin in the woods. Choose your vacation. You're in a perfect environment. The, the scenery is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, but the, the the service there is, is spectacular. You got your favorite meals. Uh, the place is just wonderful. Now, how wonderful of a vacation would that be if you, your spouse wasn't with you? Now, be careful, Valentine's Day is just, just around the corner. Some of you are like, yeah, that'd be a perfect vacation without my wife. Careful. I'm not saying that. Right? You're there on vacation without your spouse, you're like, this is, yeah, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but something's missing. It doesn't really matter that I'm here. But think of the opposite of that. Uh, when we, Lene and I, were first married, uh, we moved into an apartment. It wasn't much. We didn't have much. Uh, our budget wasn't much. We, we moved into this apartment, and we only had a, um, a small dining room table, that was the only furniture we had. We didn't have any chairs, we didn't have any mattresses, we didn't have a mattress, we didn't have a couch, we had basically nothing. We had, t- or both of our vehicles were packed as full as we can get them, we moved in. Uh, the apartment was just a small, uh, small little apartment. Um, for the first, probably it was a month, Lene, we slept on the floor. I made the most out of it. I, we got a tent uh, for, our, uh, for our wedding, and I set that tent up in our, in our bedroom and uh, we threw as many blankets as we could down in there. Right, there's not much of a living conditions, But you know, it didn't matter. We were together. We were married. It was, we had a wonderful time. And The other day we were talking about it. That apartment was our favorite apartment that we've ever been in. And We've been in some very nice apartments. The one we're in now uh, is wonderful. Uh, but there's, there's something about that first apartment. Though we had nothing, it wasn't a very wonderful location, it was nice because we were together. Now heaven is heaven because God is there. Now what did Christ say? John fourteen twelve, verily, verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works the works uh, that I do, uh, shall he do also. The greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my Father. He doesn't say I'm going to the streets of gold. I'm going to the pearly gates. No, emphasis. I'm going back to my Father to be reunited to. My father, uh, John sixteen twelve is the same thing. A little while and you shall not see me. Again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to the father. He's not, not concerning himself with the pearly, pearly gates and the streets of gold. It's the relationship. I'm going to be reunited with my father. Right? with The king of heaven is there. His joy can be our joy. First uh, John fourteen two and 3 says, In my Father's house are many mansions, or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Look, Christ is going ahead of time to prepare us a place to dwell with him. So Christ, as he's approaching the cross on the other side of that suffering— He's going home. He's going back to be with his Father. For us, we have our crosses. We have our trials here. On the other side of that, we're going home as well to the place where Christ is preparing a place for us. His joy can be our joy. So we have the joy of redemption, the joy of heaven. let look at another joy. The joy of well done. The joy of well done. Last night, I was playing with Riley. Uh, he's got these, these bigger you know, kid Legos. And I was teaching him how these Legos interconnect. And after a few minutes of working with him, telling him you know, this, the hole goes into the post, uh, he started to figure it out. And when he would get the post into the other post, I would cheer, and I'd clap, and say, good job, buddy, good job. Now about 20 minutes of this later, you, know, you stick it in, pull it apart, stick it in, 20, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 minutes of cheering this on, I started to get a little bored <laughs> with this situation. And I was getting distracted. And I was watching whatever Lenay had on the TV at the time. And Linnea, he, or, or Riley is still playing with this toy, connecting it, pulling apart, connecting it. And when he figured out I wasn't cheering anymore, I was looking at the TV, he reached over and he put his hand on my shoulder. Dad, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I wasn't cheering anymore. What did he want? He wanted Uh, He wanted me to to cheer for him, to uh, recognize uh, what had been taking place there. Now, we kind of laugh at this, or Riley to stick his hand on me, Dad, I I did this well, come on. And we kind of laugh at that. But you know, we, too, as adults, (laughs) kind of do the same thing. We're just more subtle about it. But we like to know that we've pleased somebody, we like to know that our efforts have not been in vain. We like, uh, when we do something for a spouse, we like to know that uh, our efforts are appreciated. Uh, When we work hard on a project at work, we like to hear our boss give their approval on what we've done. Uh, There's actually studies out there that show people would rather have a lower paying job in which they feel appreciated than a higher paying job in which they're treated like dirt. Uh, we like and we are energized by hearing someone sincerely say, good job, well done, I'm proud of you. Now obviously we avoid this from a prideful perspective. Hey, how did I do with my choir special today, huh? Right? We avoid the, the prideful aspect of it. But out of a, a heart of love and care, uh, you approach this individual wanting to please them. Am I doing something that honors you? Now, what kind of um, welcome do you think Christ received on his ascension back to the Father? When Christ returned home, his task was complete, redemption was accomplished. He returned home to his Father. What kind of welcome do you think Christ was uh, was going to have? Do you think there was even one slightest hint of disapproval in the Father's face? Do you think his words gave any indication that, I'm just going to say this, but I don't really mean it. Do you think uh, Christ would hear the words from Matthew 25, 21? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or verse 26, thou wicked and slothful servant. Well, obviously it's well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, We we know the verse. um, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. John 5.30, I can do nothing of my own initiative, as I hear, I judge, my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Uh, John 6.38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Romans 4.15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was attempted all points like we are, yet without sin. Every time, Christ is saying, I am only doing what my Father has commanded me. I'm looking to him, I'm receiving my instruction from him, and I'm doing that. When temptation comes along, he doesn't give in to sin. On his return home, I'm sure the look in the Father's eye into the Son's eye, well done, thou good and faithful servant, was stated. Now his joy can be our joy. Now, I believe every genuine believer has a place reserved for them in heaven. They will walk the streets of gold. But I'm not sure that every Christian will, upon entering that city, automatically receive the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Who receives that phrase? Well, it's the good and the faithful servants. All right, Hebrews 12, it's a race. In this race, if we're sitting on the sidelines, we're preoccupied with those weights. If we are not, we're not fighting the sins that easily beset us. Do you think we should presume uh, that God is going to say, "When we enter heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant." Christ, he looked past the pain and shame of the cross and saw his father standing there with open arms, ready to receive him with a well done. And this can be our experience too. A life that is lived to please our king will be welcomed with a well done, thou good and faithful servant. Man, what a joyful experience that will be. I think few other things will ever be able to compare with hearing those words spoken about us. To look upon that smiling face, to hear the genuine tone in his voice as he says those words, is something that would cut through the pain and sorrow of the present. Right? It doesn't matter what pain or shame comes. I want to hear my loving father say, well done. Past the pain and suffering... There is the joy of redemption, there is the joy of heaven, and there is the joy of well done. Point number four Point number four is the joy of exaltation. Now this last point is going to be my shortest, and that is mainly because I fear too much explanation uh, could lead me into error. I think scripture does point to this and mentions it, but I'm not sure it gives a very full, clear picture. And so elaborating too much on this could cause me to go down a road that Scripture does not go. And so while I do believe it, I cannot say I have a full grasp of the depth of its truth. Now the first half of this point is going to be again talking about Christ. We've been talking about Christ and his suffering and and his accomplishment, and then we transition into how do we have that same joy as well. And so the first half of this point is going to be Christ exalted, and that I think we can very easily understand. Uh, at least to 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 the degree in which our mind can take us. But the second half of it is how the believer shares in Christ's exaltation. And that is a deep mystery. Now let's talk about Christ first. Hebrews 1, 3 through 4 says, Who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself perched our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being so being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. Philippians two, eight through eleven says this and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, Of things in heaven and things of earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. On the other side of Christ's suffering, he was exalted to the highest degree possible. It is after he plunged through the humiliation of the cross, after the suffering, gets through that, the Father lifts Christ to the place of utmost honor. And now, in this position of honor, Christ is ruling and reigning as the supreme king over all of creation. He is exalted. Depth of suffering, highest exaltation. Now, his joy can be our joy. Now, just beyond our suffering is the joy of exaltation as well. Now, we will not be exalted to the degree and likeness of Christ. Uh, but look at these verses. James 1.12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he's tried, tested, goes through those difficulties, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Romans 8, 16-18, uh, The Spirit itself wi- bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Second Timothy two ten through 12 says this, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he'll deny us. These verses all indicate that on the other side of our suffering as well, there is this glory, there's this crown uh, there is this um, reigning with Christ. As we are united to Christ in his exaltation, there is a, a, a degree in which we, have, we share in that with Christ. Now, that, again, this is a, a mystery to me. What does that look like? That we are going to reign with Christ. We'll rule with him that as we go through this suffering on earth, well, on the other side of that, there is a lifting up of the believer. Again, not to the degree of Christ and not, not to the fullness that Christ has seen, but our suffering on the other side, there is this lifting up. So in uh, the bruise and bumps and chaos of life. Look past that. Look through the, the thorns and the weeds right now and fix your eye on those things that Christ uh, that was set before Christ. Uh, the the joy of redemption, the union that we will have with our Savior in eternity, uh, the joy of heaven, being with God forever, the joy of well done—you hear that from our from our Father—and the joy of exaltation. Look past the pain and suffering of now into these things that are promised. And one final thought I have on this before we close: it's not that right now we can would just be miserable and. Uh, bitter and angry, and then all this joy that's talked about is the future, right? We'll be happy when we get to heaven. We'll be happy when we're finally united. No, that joy, it rolls over now. We see what's in the future, and we're excited now. I uh, gave an illustration. We went through this passage this morning in the team class, and uh, we, we talked uh, about a lot of different things there, uh, but most, mostly on the race. And I use the illustration of of going to Disney, uh, you're looking at what's ahead and you're excited about it. And if you're, if if somebody you know gives you uh, tickets to Disneyland, right? And you got all these chores and everything that you got to do before you get there. All right, none of that, none of that really matters. You get through it so you can go to Disneyland. Katrina, sorry to maybe embarrass you. Uh, Katrina came up to me after that and said, one day, one Christmas, they got um, they got tickets to, to go to Disneyland. And it was a couple months down the road in which they were going to go. Um, but when Katrina found out that she got these tickets, she booked it upstairs and started packing her bag ready to go. Right, That joy that she had for what's coming in the future was happening now. Look, what is happening in our future, the joy of redemption, of, uh, of heaven, those things, yes, they are future events that take place. But the joy can be now in our pain and our suffering, we look forward to what's ahead, and we find uh, the joy that Christ had. He is our pattern. Let's follow Christ. We'll pray, and then uh, we will be dismissed. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for Christ. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would uh, think about uh, what is coming ahead for the believer. Christ is our forerunner. He is the one who has charted the way, and we get to be the beneficiaries of the accomplishments in which he has won on our behalf. Uh, Lord, in the bumps and bruises of life, may we find joy in the things uh, that Christ found joy in. Uh, may our attitudes and our, um, uh, and our conversation with each other be that of, a, um, of what's coming ahead and being excited Uh, Lord, we ask that you would change us and mold us into the image of your dear Son, that we may express him more clearly to a lost and broken world this week. We ask this in your name. Amen.